Well, Jesus, we just thank you for this time and this ability just to meet together and just uh, hear uh, your very words. And we just uh, pray that we can just get a better understanding of who you are as a person and just develop our relationship with you um, and our relationships with each other as we just uh, continue with this group. Uh, we, we know you're here, and we just thank you for your presence. Amen. 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 Well, so what's good is that I, what I'd like to do tonight is, is really look at the same passage we were looking at last week, yeah. but for, from some different angles. There's a lot of stuff in this passage before we move into the famous passage around John 3.16. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd like to do that tonight. Uh, and um, also, to be really honest about it, it didn't require me as much to study <laughs> since I already was prepared to do this last week. And we had such a good discussion last week, we never got to what I did last week, which is good because this week I work out my sermon for the Sunday. So again, Carlos was appreciated for that and doing the Good Samaritan. Um, I've done the Good Samaritan parable probably more teach taught it more than anything in scripture and all I mean our passages up, up north Tom knows we did up north um, and did a sermon on it back in 2018 sort of based on that and part of the reason was is because I actually walked the road from Jerusalem to Jericho mm-hmm. and it just completely changed my life it changed how I viewed that whole sermon I mean it just it, yeah, really? it was amazing so but what I'm hoping and praying for this time is is to not really focus on that, not focus on a lot of the, that type of cultural stuff and and the place and all those types of things, but to really focus on um, and really it was actually conversations that Dale's had in here, part of our conversations, which is one of identity and looking at in the Good Samaritan. What Jesus does is uncovering the identity as being the problem of why the expert of the law even asks the question, who is my neighbor? Um, and one of the things that's fascinating is I've looked at this, I never even saw a lot of stuff before coming from this lens, having taught on this many times, is it's interesting because you were saying about how it's, you know, we often as guys, and I think just society in general, we focus more on when someone asks, who are you, we focus more on what we do. Right. And it's interesting that in the Good Samaritan parable, which I never really saw from this angle before, is in the Good Samaritan parable, you notice that if you look at the identity of the people involved, you have obviously Jesus, but you have the expert of the law, a lawyer. He's the one who asks the question, you know, who is my neighbor, which means that whether he's trying to trick Jesus, trick Jesus or not, or not he wants to get the answer to that question. Who are the two that don't help the man in need? The priest and the Levite. Mm-hmm. Which the expert of the law worked with those. So they all are around focus on upholding the law or obeying the law. But all of them are identified by what they do. Mm-hmm. And then you end up having the one who helps the man in need is not identified by what he just identified as really the enemy of those, which is the Samaritan. So he's really just identified by where he came from. And then of all the people is you have the man in need, which is no identity whatsoever. 
and completely unable to find out their identity because he's been basically stripped of all of his clothes, which was their identity marker then. I mean, you walked in here, you know, you would go like, well, I can't really tell what Tom does versus Pete does. But back then, how they were clothed, you could tell them, tell who they were. Am I ordinary Jew? Am I a priest? Am I a Levite? You know, who am I? And here this man is completely stripped. And it's interesting that the word for man is anthropos, which huh. actually means human being. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's actually very generic. It's like you cannot identify this person. But it's interesting that the ones who identify themselves by what they do end up being the ones who don't help the man in need. Who we don't know what he does. So anyway, that's a little... Preview. I'll be interested. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting. That's I'm trying good. to pray. I'm trying to figure out how to, how to look at that. Because what's interesting, I'm not going to give this part away, is Jesus actually uncovers, I might call it mistaken identity, that the extra law has mistaken who he is. And that's the reason why he doesn't, he has to ask this question. So, anyway. All right. Um, that was my little practice <laughs> for next Sunday. Um, so, what I'd like to do is let's turn back to our passage that we looked at last week. I'd like to read it again. And this is our whole Nick at Night passage. Um, and then I want to take a look at it from some a different sort of perspective tonight. Um, and so, why don't we... And so, as we go through, again, we did this last week, but as we read this through again, like we've been doing every week, I want you to sort of, is there anything that this time reading through, and even if you were here last week, that you're picking up? I want you to be attentive, attentive to words. Um, last week I had, I asked the question, where do you see the connection of this to the prologue? I'm not so much interested in that this time. I want you to just see as you're hearing it read, See if you pick up words <laughs> that sort of repeat themselves. Okay? Um, so, so it's, again, practice with listening. Right. What page are we on? We are page 16. Thank you. Um, and I'll go ahead and read this time. So I'm going to read 3, 1 through 15. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one else can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, 
We speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the, serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <laughs> yes. Truly, truly, I say to you. Uh-huh. And he lays it out there, but Nicodemus is so far sold out to his way of thinking that he just can't get it. But God is speaking the truth to him mm-hmm. and saying, I'm going to tell you the way it really is here. Mm. But Nicodemus is so ingrained in his walk and his leadership and all the rules that it, it just the, the truth just can't come through to him. Or it's tough to come through. Yeah. yeah. So is that why you think Jesus says truly, truly? Uh, it's kind of like a preamble. Like, if you really want to know what's <laughs> going on here, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'll tell you. And uh, that's kind of the setup. But it, it shows. And then the metaphor that he uses um, just goes over his head. Hmm. Right. Some, something that struck me this time reading through mm-hmm. was, uh, was when he says that we know you're a teacher come from God. Mm-hmm. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Uh huh. I think he's speaking for the Pharisees. Like they know, you know, like it's an indictment against them. Hmm. The indictment oh, against you the think Pharisees. that the, that Nicodemus? So say that again. So you think I he's? Think, I think Nicodemus is like speaking honestly for the Pharisees. Gotcha. Okay. But the Pharisees publicly. You know, oftentimes it's it's just political maneuvering with mm-hmm. them, right? It's not about the truth. Like, even though they know, I guess, thinking back to Isaiah, um, yeah, it's it, it's like they know, they 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 know, but then they're they're um, they're like willfully setting that aside for whatever political reasons they have. Mm-hmm. So it's not about the fear. Truth. He's there to find out more information and whether he's going to be a threat to their little empire. Yeah, now. I think I think Nicodemus is is very like without guile when he comes. I think he's genuinely, honestly seeking. That's just mm-hmm. I just really I don't know. That's but why do you, why do you say? I mean, it's why do you say you think he's speaking for the Pharisees? I think he's speaking for the Pharisees because I think he's basically saying that it's it's obvious I think he's really saying like it's obvious that you are from God hmm. that you come from God it's obvious and what is the what is and what he says there what is it that really gives away that he is speaking for the Pharisees we know well, it's, yeah, yeah he very says, good. we know and <laughs> yeah. he is a Pharisee yeah one so of the things to catch in here is look at the plurals going on here versus the singulars so we know very right. good yeah, I think Nicodemus is actually saying to Jesus, "We, you're one of us, in a sense, because you're a teacher, 
and that's what they are. They're teachers. Mm-hmm. I think he's coming to him to learn something. Like I yeah. think he knows that that he Jesus has something that they don't have, something that has been missing for a long time, right? Uh, God has been silent through the prophets for 400 years to that point. And I think he's coming to him inquisitively, like, you know, what's, what's, we know something's happening, what's happening. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's how he's coming. Yeah, good. Right. All right, others, yeah. Anybody? But he also wants to keep it under wraps because he's coming at night. Right. He doesn't want to let a lot of people know what he's doing. Yeah, we discussed last week there's a debate that coming at night could be for exactly that reason very possible because it's sort of like hidden that people don't see. But also the, the, the Jews did do their teaching a lot at night because they worked during the daytime. So that's when they did their, in fact, they still do that up in the Bay Area. Um, they do all their stuff at nighttime with teaching and stuff. So it could be, yeah. So they, they, that's when they have all their stuff. Is what we're doing here, right? So, um, yeah. Either way, though, you just have this exchange one on one. Would Nicodemus have any understanding of what being born of water and the Spirit is about? Any concept of that whatsoever? Doesn't it? Not, not. Yeah, we discussed last week a little bit. Not, not in the way that Jesus is trying to get across. I think it's very, very good. Yeah, Um, Bruce, you're gonna. Well, I was just going to say that uh, they're coming by night. He's he indicates that he was in the darkness. Hmm. So it can be symbolic of him being yeah. in the dark. Yeah, true. Hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Does he ever use the word "truly, truly" anywhere else? All the time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I think yeah. in John, it's used quite a bit. It's sort of a yeah. way of saying with authority, okay. "Amen, Amen." Okay. How many times? Yeah. You know, it's funny, Greg, you know, the Christian yeah, Standard Bible, uh, he says, you. truly, I tell you, they just use it once. And I don't it, yeah, think that's a misinterpretation. Once, yeah, so probably originally. Yeah. They shorten it. King James. Shame on them. Barely, barely. Yeah. Yeah, barely, barely. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> barely, barely. Barely, barely. Yeah, you know when something's repeated twice. <laughs> well, just, it's like an explanation point. Is that your own translation? Yeah, that's, 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 the, that's the Eric Standard version. <laughs> Not the ESV, but the Eric Standard version. That's 20 years in the Navy, where that comes from. Yeah. Um, I think, I'm just going to double check here, I'm pretty sure G2A1. Yeah, so it is repeated twice. Yeah. So yeah, that's probably so that's, that's something. One of those things. That's where you see, and we like. That's it why it's good to have different versions. Um, okay. Anybody else? What else? So anybody else who has a born of water and the spirit? Mm-hmm. Is that referring to baptism, or is that referring to um, Jesus? Sometimes is. Well, the Holy Spirit isn't given until he leaves. Yeah, so we spent... So it's way ahead of time. We spent quite a bit of time last week having a discussion on what does water and um, spirit mean. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and there's there's a lot of debate around that, what does water and spirit mean. Um, for those of you who aren't here, in fact, so it's always... We talked about last week too, context. So if you're trying to answer a question like that and it's somewhere used, particularly within the same gospel, it can give you hints to it. 
So we looked last week, in fact, if you want to just turn there right now, turn to John 7. Let's sort of look at that again. So think of that question um, about why does it say water and spirit? Um, and so John seven thirty seven on page 46. So it says uh, in 37, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And then John actually explains what he means by that. And he says, now, this is he who said this about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So, probably the best in looking at all the different things, and there was debate of this, but it's probably, it's, it's an actual Greek way of talking, where you're putting two words together that actually mean the same thing. So it's really a way of sort of saying, um, water, which is the spirit. <laughs> okay, so it's sort of like you're, you're, you're putting these two things together. So there's probably not a lot to be said about, I mean, his real point is being born of the spirit. It's not that there's some special water thing here, because you can see in this other passage, he's putting it together and saying, water is spirit. And you know, so, I listened to it yeah. twice, and it was quite a conversation about that, if yeah. I recall. Yeah. It could be that maybe water represents, like what Jason was saying, you know, these steps that is believing. And that I guess when you're baptized, you're confessing that you believe in Jesus. And you come out of the water and you're a new person. And yeah. you're blessed then with the Spirit. Yeah. And there's a lot of Just metaphor thought. here. So it's like, yeah, there's the answers are not always the clear yes. <laughs> yeah. Or no or something. All right. So any, well, before, before anybody else, things that you guys see in here that you're... Picking up, um, just sort of resonate, you go, hmm. Um, or the word belief keeps being yeah. repeated over and over. Uh-huh, good. So you see again this theme that John is throughout, and we're going to look at that more here, is this whole idea of belief. We talked about this last week, but like um, in verse 7 when it says, do not marvel, because... I think it's interesting because he's not speaking in a way that like Nicodemus is necessarily just going to understand without explanation, and like he's not being like totally like explicit in what he's saying yet. Mm -hmm. But like it goes to that reference like I brought up last week in like in Ecclesiastes, like you don't know the way the Spirit works, and it's almost like hey, we're not going to know everything with Jesus. We're not going to know every little detail, and at some points like. Stop marveling and stuff. Just follow me. Yeah. Yeah. Some of this you're going to just have to believe. Right. <laughs> yeah. Good. Is that, a, is that like a commandment? Stop marveling? <laughs> yeah. well, kind yeah. of. It says do not marvel. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's probably uh, an imperative. <laughs> do not marvel. It's like when yeah. he's talking about the wind, too, how you can't see it. It's going in and out. That's the spirit. Right. So it's right. things we're not supposed to do. Yeah. You just got to have faith. Eric, at the end of eight, so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. That's an all-inclusive statement. It is. Which he's Nicodemus is a Pharisee, and 
there's only one way to follow, and that's by their rule book. And so the fact that everyone who is born of the Spirit is all-inclusive. So he's saying it doesn't matter what club you're a member of, you can be delivered. And it's all-inclusive who finds the way will be welcome. Uh What clothes you wear. Yeah, right. (laughs) What clothes you wear. Right. You guys remember that from Galatians. That was a big thing in Galatians, right? Is It's just very simple. It's, we go around asking people, or we tend to, is that a person a Christian? Is that person a Christian? I mean, Paul would not have ever said that. Yeah. The Apostle Paul would say, is the Spirit in you? Yeah. If the answer is yes, you don't need any more other qualifiers. That's right. <laughs> Takes care of you're, you're a Christian. You, have, you are in Christ. Um, by simply that answer, answer, you have the Spirit in you. And how do you tell if you have the Spirit in you? How would you answer that question? I think you just don't know. You okay, can well, feel a few things. Yeah, so you Either just feel it or you, you feel the wind. You can say no. So that's interesting. When you say no, when you say you just know, it's against your question a little bit about believing. It's like when you just know, um, it is, yeah. right? I mean, there's things we read here and we just go, Oh yeah, I get that now. I know that. Where before I would read and go, mm. no, <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but people will say they know, and then they'll admit that they have disbelief. Yeah, so they know the so fact. How do you get back to where you know? Like which know? <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, actually, we're going to talk about that tonight. When you get in a circumstance that you need Jesus, you come to Jesus every time. That's true. It usually takes something like that, too. It takes that. To get into the Spirit. Yeah. And trying to walk in the Spirit all the time, it's a tough road to hope. Mm -hmm. All right. Anybody else? Anyone else just see anything in there that you see? Can I say something along that? Uh Uh-huh. A lot of things I memorize. It is difficult to resist evil because choosing the right path often calls for personal sacrifices which you're unwilling to make. And it's that battle that rages inside of us or what we're not willing to give up Mm -hmm. that cycles us, I think, back and forth between really believing and our selfishness of what we want to hang on to because for whatever reason we need it more. Yeah. We think we do. <laughs> we think we need it. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Huh. Okay. So we, here's. We yeah. all have to deal with that. Oh, yeah. Oh. Where does, where's our moral line on, on a whole bunch of things? Do we, do we stay on one side or do we step over once in a while or. Could we maybe just step over for a little while and come back? Uh, Eric did something really nice for my grandson today. Uh, my grandson is performing down at the North Square. Hmm. And so, Eric. Performing, doing. Performing. Doing what? Doing. Uh, it's, uh, it's a play. It's a play. Oh, it's a play. Oh, okay. It's a long story, but yeah. he finally has gotten a part. So. Hmm. Uh, Eric said, I'd like to come see you, but I I don't have shots. I don't have cards, so they won't let me in. What? 
I'm not vaccinated, and I don't have a card, and I don't have proof because I haven't been vaccinated. Oh, okay. for but you. they require you oh, so they to show oh, proof to get in. Said. Where is this? Before the Arts. Uh, Legion Hall. Down know. at the Legion Hall. Performing Arts. Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. So anyway, so go ahead. <laughs> so, my grandson says, who's this? I'd like to give you some On the computer all the time. Oh. He says, oh, I know where you can get a card. And then you can just fill it out. Really? <laughs> and, then you, and you can come. Cool. And Eric says, no. <laughs> and gave him there's, a whole lesson. There's a narrow way. <laughs> there's a right way and there's uh-huh. a wrong way. And I'm not going to. I'm not going to give up my moral value yeah. system just to be able to come watch you. That's when my moral standards yeah. are more important than being able to watch you. Yeah. I would like to, but I can't. So. Basically, what I said to him was, I made a choice, and I accept the consequences of the choice, and if that's the fact that I'm going to miss something, mm-hmm. that's the consequence of my choice, and that was my choice, and I'm not going to violate it. Yeah. And that's integrity. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely show integrity. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, yeah, we all have to deal with that. That's all right. Exactly. Can I interject something that I've been dying to share with this group? <laughs> okay. Since we're on this path anyway. Yes. So this is some notes I, I made reading another book. What are the ethics of being a Christian? If I'm just a good person, does that mean I'm walking with Christ? Or can I be a good person and not know Christ? So, if your life is basically a sanctuary, the way you lead your daily life is a key part of your own sanctuary and your own keeping. So, human virtue is an essential part of spirituality. And if you believe that, you are you, what it suggested. You are not to act in anger or nurse a grudge. Rid yourself of all deceit. So, what happens then is, is that in reality, virtue enables a person to protect and to foster all that is best in their lives, both personal and professional. If we see virtue simply as the right way to live, no matter what the cost, then virtue becomes sacred. Virtue is the recognition of the sacred in daily life, and virtue enables us to live a unified life with the same values at home and at work, a life that is transparent and has nothing to hide. Integrity requires consistency in our personal and private life. Test yourself by asking, will my private life withstand public scrutiny? Mm -hmm. Integrity. So I've been dying to share that. I thought it fits with what we're talking about. So I I personally have come to the point where every time I'm at a point where I'm tempted to compromise, that's a reminder that if I do that a little bit, it's really a lot. Yeah. It's, oh, it's yeah. not a right. little bit. It's everything. Right. Right. And so, in a world where cheating and underhand and getting ahead and stepping on people and all the rest of that, it's really hard to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are consequences to having those opinions. 
But what I like is when I lay my head down on the pillow, I have nothing to hide. So nobody's going to find out anything about me that's a secret. And secret, anytime you find yourself doing something that's going to be your secret, that presents a situation now you have liability. And the liability is your integrity. So anytime you're doing, tempted to do anything that you're going to have to keep as a secret, that's a test of your Christianity right there. Yeah. And if you have no secrets, you're free. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. All right. Get off my soapbox. Okay. So here's what I want us to start in looking at this passage and ask ourselves. I want to ask two questions. I want us to sort of read through this, and I want us to. You, you notice the two words are used a lot here. One is no. Like K-N-O-W. What do you know and what do you don't know? And what do you believe and what do you not believe? Okay? So you see both of these are used here. Not necessarily interchangeably, but they're both used. Do you know? Do you believe? Okay? So when you think of the word no, I want you to think of it in the sense of just like for this first pass, just think of it as like what facts do we learn here? What, what do we know in this passage? Just that is not, I mean, someone can say, well, did this passage happen or not? But let's just assume it, pa- it happened, because it's recorded here. What are the things we know about this passage? So, for example, I'm going to give you an example. One thing we know is that Nicodemus met with Jesus at night. That's a simple fact. We know that Nicodemus is a Pharisee, all right? Because we know that. It says that, okay? So, Let's just walk through. I want you to just look on here and just answer the question, what do we know out of this passage? Just simply, what are the things we know? So just sort of read along. And in fact, you guys can just throw things out. Just start reading yourself. And what are the things you see that you just know? Just name things off. We know Jesus is a teacher. Okay, Jesus is a teacher, all right. That he comes from God. Okay, that he comes from God. As far as Nicodemus, he was a Pharisee and considered a ruler, so a teacher in his own right. Okay. What else? What are the facts that he's going to do? He performs signs. Okay, so he signs. Well, again... Go ahead, Jason. This, this happened in... What we know is, if we're assuming all this is accurate. Right, just as far as, like, knowledge. Just like, what what do we... I guess you could argue whether you know that you perform signs. I mean, Nicodemus is saying you perform signs, so... Based on what's said here, we know that unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Okay, so let's take that as an example. Is that knowing or is that believing? <laughs> so yeah, it, it, is there a, is there a difference to you? So this comes into the water spirit, uh, one and the other, separate and the same. Mm-hmm. If you don't believe Christ, then it wouldn't be true. 
if you believe Christ. Right. So the hero tries then you, to you would you right. would know it as fact. Okay. So what are some things here that we would consider we know versus the things that we believe? We know Nicodemus is naive as to the process to be born again when he says, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Okay. So the very fact that he's asking sure. that question is yeah, like pretty naive. <laughs> That's right there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. yeah. It seems like Nicodemus is talking to Jesus as a person of authority. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, right. he, that he's acknowledging Jesus' authority. Well, and he calls him a teacher, which right there is That's a sense the authority. of authority. And yeah. the fact that he says rabbi. Rabbi is a term mm-hmm. of authority. Okay, so um, so you notice that just what, what you said is can can he enter the can he enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born, right? So notice the word can there. Okay. Um so what are things that it says here that we can and we cannot do? Cannot enter the kingdom of, of into the kingdom yes. unless you're born of the spirit. Right. So you see we sort of have these contrasts here between what you can and what you cannot do. But again, thinking think I guess maybe the best thing to do is let's try to take out the things that we know, like we know Nicodemus is a Pharisee. You don't have to believe anything to know that. So my question is let's start try to separate what we know from what we believe. All right. Because, yeah, let's just try that. Okay. I think verses <laughs> 5 through 8 is you believe. You have to believe. So I don't know if you know. Okay. Right. So so believe to say unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So whatever is born of flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of spirit is spirit. So you would say that's a belief. I would. Yeah, I would. Okay. How about anybody else? What? Find some differences where you see something that you know Do versus not something marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Mm-hmm. You know, it's... Yeah, don't be amazed. Try, try, try and... You know, you can't figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from. Or where it goes. Yeah. Keep reading there. Keep and read the next sentence. So it is with everyone who is born. So I want you to look at here and see the difference between what we know versus what we believe. So we all know. No, the second part is. (laughs) The second second part is no, you think? No, the first part is no, the second part is believe. Yeah. We know the wind blows, but then we believe. That's true. Good point. Yeah. Deep one in the spirit. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. You, you know that the wind blows. You don't know where it's coming right. from. But yeah, you know, it's not Jesus is sort of matching here. He's taking something you know in the world, mm-hmm. and he's putting it against something that he's asking you to believe. Right. Based on this metaphor of what he knows. So that's a really good good way of looking at that. So absolutely. You see right there, he know he no one's going to argue that the wind blows more bushes. I mean, that's a that's what you call scientific fact, probably. But you have to believe about the spirit with that, right? Yeah, Pete. So I, um, there's a verse in Romans one, starting in Romans one eighteen, that I think may help differentiate the idea of knowledge and belief. Uh huh. Okay. Good. So. Um, it's the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people 
who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since we, uh, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their foolish thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So, what's the reference? This is Romans 1, 18, 18 through, through 21. 23. Yeah. So it says, for although they knew God, you know, so it's, it's saying they, they knew, but they suppressed the truth, right? In, in unbelief. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Right? But also... Um, suppressing the truth, which is obviously the opposite of belief. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think that's kind of what I was trying to say about the Pharisees. So Nicodemus said, we know that you are from God, but the Pharisees suppress that truth. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, right. All right. Anyways, I think that, that shows kind of a distinction between knowledge and belief. Well, it because if they knew, it's like, right? you know, it doesn't say all who know God, all who know that God is blah, 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 will, will become sons of God. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, all who believe, because that's, a, that's different. They have Knowledge. to suppress it because it's, it's a threat like the, to their own power. Right. right. That passage, yeah, or it's a message for the Gentiles. It's a threat, it's a threat to their, their own authority and their own life. Yeah, exactly. They, they want to do what they want to do what they want to do. So what are the things you guys see in here about things that you know versus the things that you believe? God's still the authority. Well, that's, that will be a, what? That's something you not know. Know in the sense of a factual thing. We well, know, we know that you can do signs unless, you, you know, God is with it. Mm-hmm. So... So we, I mean, we, you have to believe. I mean, Nicodemus is saying, do God's with you? That's a belief, though. I mean, no one knows, they can't see God with them. So he's saying a statement there of belief, that we believe God, we believe God is with you. Well, um, we've seen the proof. Right. He's, he's referring to things that he's seen. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, verse 9 says, uh, how can these things be, asked Nicodemus. I mean, this is probably pretty simple, but I think Nicodemus is definitely dumbfounded going he's just like confused just going how can uh, this be we know that yeah but, but right. in terms of what's written here yeah so you're believing that well how can these things be ask Nicodemus that's a statement I think yeah. most of the world would say yeah yeah he's right the, the, yeah right. are you like are you the, the, are you the teacher world. of Israel and yet you do not understand these things right the next sentence yeah that's a no. Yeah. So right? you don't think not verse nine is a no? You think that's a, a belief? I mean, he said it, but in terms of going there with that, then that's just a belief because we don't know. We, yeah, you know is he? Might be open to that know. interpretation. <laughs> okay. right? I don't know. Eleven yeah. sort of says it real clear. Okay. Mm-hmm. What does eleven say? Okay, there we go. So you've so, seen. I just know in the CSV here it says. You know, in quotes, how can these 
and trying to act it out. How can these things be? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like any of us might be in that same boat. Yeah. So go ahead. What were you going to say, Dale? You were saying it by 11? Well, in number 11, it says, you have seen, but at the end it says, but you're not receive or you don't believe. Yeah. So you know what you've seen, but you still may not believe. Don't believe it. Right. Be true. Yeah. That gets back to my old question about you know if you don't believe what allows us to believe. Right. 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 If you don't believe earthly things, you can't believe heavenly things. It's it's interesting that um, after his initial statement, Nicodemus never has any statements of knowledge. He only has questions. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. So say it again. And after then, his initial, after his initial statements about Jesus, yeah, you know, we know you're from God, right? He has no other statements of knowledge after that. Interesting. It's just kind of about unhelpful that. questions, almost. Uh huh. Do you yeah. think he has any clarity of the purpose of his trip to go and talk to him to get some answers? Yeah, I mean, if he was planning on having a conversation with Jesus, it's just like he's leaving with more questions than yeah. Answers. I think Nicodemus desperately wants to know. I think he does oh, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think you're definitely seeing that yeah, happen. Yeah. And you see, as we talked about last week, you see Nicodemus appears a couple other times in John, all the way to the very end, too, um, where you see that he's. I mean, he's asking the right question right there. He could just say, oh, cut it out of here. There's no way. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's not the case. So, where else do you guys see differences like the knowing and believing? Well, what's the Nicodemus in each one of us? And we all see like so and you see a thing like and Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness? <laughs> so must the Son of Man be lifted up? Do we believe that? <laughs> that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Or you have the belief again. Well if you believe the old testament, we know it. Yeah. The snake was lifted right, up, right? Right, right. And see how he's going back to something Nicodemus would know. That you know. Hey, that happened. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to take you to something that hasn't happened. Hasn't happened. Future game. To believe, yeah. yeah. Did Nicodemus know or believe that the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness? I would... Oh, he wasn't uh, there, so he would have had to believe it. <laughs> I don't know, but I would assume because yeah. of the Mosaic, because he's a Jew, and that's the Old Testament... I would assume that, that he does least. believe that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Because we would kind of be in the same position as, as him, maybe right. somewhat. I think we have better evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ than they would have of this event ha- having happened. Yeah, although I think for them, the Jews, their scriptures were, this has really happened. So to yeah. them, they yeah, believe. Well, what, what evidence do they have outside the scripture? They, have, they have the scripture. Yeah. Right. right. In terms of what? That the Old Testament was true? Well, no, that, well, that, this, that this particular event happened. Mm-hmm. That what? That, that this event happened. You know. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. the, that Moses, Moses built the staff yeah. with the serpent? Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah they, they had, had to believe that. If they weren't I mean, I think they believe that, similar to how we now believe that Jesus rose yeah, from I, the dead. Can we know, can we know that Jesus rose from the dead? No, it, it had to be a belief. Yeah. It was written in the Torah. So you don't have to believe it. It's just written. So it's true. But it's true because they... It's because they believe it. Believe it. <laughs> they choose <laughs> no. to believe it. 
Whether you believe it or not, doesn't make any difference. It's true because it's written. Hmm. See well, the difference in thinking? I, I totally do. But we're talking about... But that's the way I think uh, uh-huh. Nicodemus is thinking about the Old Testament. Words in the Old Testament, you don't have to believe them. They're true. Because they're written. Okay, so in terms of our conversation here, though, <laughs> right? Yeah. We're play what, what, why do you think Jesus said what he said to him the way he did? Because he knew what you're saying is accurate. And so Nicodemus isn't going to question whether or not Moses yeah. raised up the staff. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's okay. my point. No. And then he threw on, so must the Son of Man, right? So that's something he's not going to know. Right. And he's not going to believe it until he sees it. Yeah, we didn't, and, and we, we didn't talk about this last week. I don't, we didn't talk about the serpent being no, we the don't. Up story no. of Moses. No. So did, should we talk about it? Or does sure. Everybody know? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Everyone gets bitten by snakes and die. And there's a, you know, yeah. Type, yeah. Type yeah. So it was like a plague of poisonous snakes. Yeah. Right? And then... Um, God told Moses to create this staff with a serpent around it out of bronze. Out of bronze. Yeah. yeah. And then he said, anyone who looks at this at the serpent on the on the staff won't die. Will be healed. Will be healed. Mm-hmm. But it, but people still refuse to look at it, right? Because many people died. Huh. So which is which seems really crazy. Even after they got the word, they didn't believe. Yeah. But the, to me, that story is extremely profound. The, the, um, yeah, like, just look, you know, like, what do you have to lose? You're sitting here dying of, of snake venom. Just look. So, it's, what do you, so why, okay, so thinking about how you're explaining that, yeah. why do you think Jesus is here? How would you relate that to what, why Jesus would use that here then? Why would he use this as the example? Well, it's a type of what he's yeah. going to be going through. Yeah, right. And it's a yeah. type of what we're going right. through right now. Mm-hmm. Same yeah. thing. So yeah, yeah. Cool. I mean, I think it's fully it's fully the type, and that event happened to prefigure Jesus mm-hmm. on the cross. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean that that event happened for that, and so it was it was totally. And why it, did the it was why, totally God's plan. And why did the snakes? Show up in the first place because of some sort of sin. We'd have to look at the story, but it was, there was a reason. Yeah, because the yeah. people were all talking yeah, they smack did something <laughs> about <laughs> they, 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 they were doing their thing. Sure. They were grumbling like mad, and they were sinning. Yeah, and they were separating themselves from God yet again, and therefore there come the snakes. Right. Same thing Adam and Eve did. Yeah, say. Same thing. I mean, God didn't choose the snakes on accident. <laughs> they were tired of eating. We're part of the flesh. We're going to make this really cool and symbolic. And so then what's the symbolism to Christ on the cross? This thing is going to save you from the venom of your own sins. Now Christ is going to save all of us from And then sins. how then is the snake representative of Christ on the cross? If the snake in the garden was representative of Satan. Could it be that, in a sense? Well, he who knew no sin became sin for us. That's right. And so he does what the serpent was. That's right. Yeah, what happened to the serpent on the cross. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This is going to get pretty deep. 
Oh, yeah. Super deep. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's like the exact same heart, too, is, of, of the story with the serpent and the people choosing not to look at it on the staff. Because mm-hmm. they know these people who are looking at it aren't getting bit and killed by the snakes. Mm-hmm. Well, or they're being saved after they have been bit. Sure. But they know these people aren't dying. They, 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 know, they know it's working. You, like, they, they could see that. So, like, it... I can't know this. It's it's believing it, but mm-hmm. it's like, well, there has to be some reason they're not looking at it, and you could... I think it'd be almost like, easy to assume that's like, well, the reason they're not looking at it is because that's that, it's, pre- it's pretty much acknowledging God. Right. And oh, so that, it's not pretty much. It's definitively hundred percent. Yeah, it, well, yeah. it's not saying it with your mouth, but like it's it's, it's the act. It, it is it is acknowledging God because you're looking at what He's given yeah, them. Moses so told them very clearly what the staff was about and what it, what they had to do. All they had to do was look at it, and it's and, and God would save them. Yeah. So what I'm saying is like the staff's obviously a divine thing. It's been told to them. It's a divine thing. By who told them? But, well, and similarly, like, Jesus is clearly divine, and so it's like, it's that this heart of, like, it's not that, like, you can't believe, or it's just too hard to believe, because, like, the facts, it's like, well, no, now there's a level of you have to submit mm-hmm. to Jesus, or submit to God with, with the, the staff example. It's, like, not like a, like a logical argument, it's more like, no, I don't want to give up what I'm, what I'm doing. So something interesting happens with Moses. So it goes to even this whole discussion that you guys were talking about. So in Exodus, there's a very fascinating thing that happens with Moses because God speaks. God speaks to Moses. So the site this real transformation takes place. And get down right. So God, first of all, God God was speaking, and the people told Moses, "I don't want to hear God speak." They were afraid. They did not. They literally said, "I don't want to hear God speak." And so the people say to Moses, and to, to basically say to God, "I want you, God, to speak through Moses." Yeah. And so when God speaks to Moses, Moses speaks to the people, and all the people say, "We believe." In essence, I'm paraphrasing. We believe that what we heard from Moses is from God. So in other words, there is a direct. Con- there is. It goes from. God to Moses and people, but the people say, we believe that when Moses speaks, that's God speaking. Okay? And so there's like, so in other words, you, Moses now is God. Yeah. Okay? Moses speaking. Is like Jesus. In the well, yeah. that's right. Yeah, exactly. So what ends up happening, which He's is fascinating, connection. right? Yeah. What happens is a change happens in Exodus 19, 21, 22, where you have a, a movement, and that's why we, we wonder why, why did we say this Bible is so important? And you were saying, like, you know, it, it's because it's, it's written. So what ends up happening is that Moses then, God tells Moses, now I want you to write stuff on a tablet, Moses. That's, that's I don't want time. you just to hear what I say and then tell the people, I want you now to write it down. And the people use exactly the same language, and, and Moses reads what he wrote, and they say, we now believe what is written is of God. Yeah. So you see literally like the, what we call the inspiration or NRMCA, we use all these technical words in theology of the word, that this word is 
God's word, you see that actually <coughs> taking place there. That from that point on, the people said, it's not just what we hear from Moses that we believe is God, but when Moses writes down what he hears from God, that is God <laughs> speaking to them. So it's the same thing that like you just said. Um, it's like when... Um, when it's when it's heard, I mean, when it's written down and they and they speak it, what is it now? Jesus. Jesus says, "When I speak, I am God speaking through me." And so, when the people say we believe, they're believing that what they're hearing from Jesus at that time is the very words of God speaking to them, and that's their experience. God is actually speaking to me. So you think about us today. We don't have Jesus here telling us these things. But John tells us Jesus wrote these, all these things were written down through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, this is John 14, so that now we roll these things down so when you read it, you will believe that this is actually from God. Okay, so you see that's the power of the written word, why it's so different than any other word, is because it's like this is word, the word that is God's words to us. Um, it's like firsthand. We almost basically are saying this is almost this is as close as we get to firsthand. Um, so in here, so I want you guys to look at something which is not obvious um, about this whole knowing and believing. So in in chapter three, so in in verse two, where Rabbi it says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher. That word "know" is a specific Greek word. It's something like oh. Oida, okay, O-I-D-A. It's basically a word of factual knowledge of something. It's like we know. It's just like we know, like almost like a fact, okay? And you'll see that, you see it there. So, Rabbi, we know, that's the Greek word, O-I-D-A. And then in verse 8, the wind blows where it wishes, you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from. Know is basically a factual know again. It's something you know. All right, everyone follow me so far? Mm -hmm. But something changes, because Nicodemus says in verse 9, how can these things be? How can I know, but like in essence, believe that these things are true? And Jesus answered, are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not, now my version says, your version in here says, you do not understand these things. But what does the CSB say? It says, are you a teacher of Israel and don't know these things? The okay. word no. It's the word no. So what's interesting is the ESV, and here's where <laughs> we can get very confused. The ESV says understand. It is not the word understand. What's the Greek on that? Is it no? It is no, but it's, it's a, different no. it's a different it's no. It's a different no. And all the other no's, and the reason why I'm saying this is because yeah, 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 yeah. this gnosis, when it says here, are you a teacher of Israel and yet you you do not know these things, that knowing is a relational knowing now that's being spoken of. It is not a factual thing. It's in essence saying, are you, do you not, are you not in relationship with me, right. knowing what I'm telling you. So he actually changes the language here to speak about it's about this relational knowing. There's logical judo on it. There's, there's <laughs> what? Logical yeah. judo. <laughs> logical judo. 
And that word, just take you guys back to Isaiah, that word for know there is the same word used in Isaiah 6, 9 through 10. Testimony? To whether you know something, whether you know. Testimony? I don't hear. It's not so much testimony yet. So it's just about whether you actually, you you hear, but you really don't hear. You see, but you really don't hear. See, you It's like that spiritual relationship. Right. So what you see here, and this gets a little bit to the there's a difference between head knowledge, there's a belief, but there's a relational aspect here of are you in relationship with this person that you're believing? So knowledge is not just a head thing. This was so hard about, I mean, um, Pete and I were talking about it. Um, what were you talking about? <laughs> apologetics. I mean, one of the things like with apologetics, we're trying to get people to... Um, to just know some fact, you know, I'm telling you this, why don't you just know it? But ultimately, it's not about people just knowing something. You can say, I know that Jesus died, and I know that he died on a cross. And I can even say, I know he rose from the dead. But do you relate, are you in a relationship with Jesus of that knowing? It's not just simply a head knowledge. Yeah, it's a relational two knowledge. Two of them is it? Yeah. Did they come at the same time, or did they come at separate times? Well, I, I mean, it's a great question. I guess uh, it's a great question. So we read last week at the end of last week. Yeah. So we read at the end of last week, Romans 10. What you have in Romans 10 is that you preach this word. How do people come to faith, which is a relational term? Belief. Remember, belief and faith is pistis. Faith and belief are the same word, pistis. So the way you come into this relational relationship with God, with through Jesus, is you come into it by you have to first hear the very words of that spoken to you. Alright. And that is what is the thing scripture says is the trigger that will do one of two things. <laughs> I think we even see it here. I think it says it here. Yeah. If I had told you earthly things and do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? That belief, you speaking the words of God, will have two reactions. One is it can either lead people people into the belief or relationship with Christ, or it does what happens in Romans, and it pushes people into unbelief and away from God. It's like a dividing thing. So that's the power of the word of God, is that when it's spoken, and so that's what you see here, truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know, and we bear witness of what we have seen. So what is Jesus saying? We speak these words of God. And the question is, will through that speaking, will people come to a belief or not? Who's we that Jesus is talking about, plural? Most, most here will say plural. that we is really the Father. Yeah. That he's the what, Father, the, the Spirit, that's right. the Trinity. We're going to see this yeah. develop later, is that this we here is that Jesus is actually speaking about the Father, who speaks to him, and that he speaks to us. And he knows. Yeah, right. Right. I know what you're talking about. But he doesn't want just the head knowledge. No, it's the spiritual. But notice that the difference is you have to say, Jesus rose from the dead, speak it as a, it, like that's a fact, but then people have to come to a belief in that, yeah. and then also then come to a relationship with God. So there's... 
all this sort of, I don't know if I'm making sense, but there's this connection here between what you know, what you believe, and what you are actually relationally believing about God. Yeah, 10 verses 9, it's, like you said last week, it kind of says it all yeah. in a very simple way, right. but it ain't that simple. <laughs> and you see, Jesus is actually doing what Romans 10 says. Yeah. What's Jesus doing? He's talking to Nicodemus as God. And he's saying, we, I am speaking to you what I know. I'm speaking to you <laughs> as God speaks to you. And I'm speaking to you in a hope that you're going to come to a belief in me. But for that to happen, you have to firsthand hear those words of God, I guess. That's why it's so important. We can sit there and talk about all we want to about all these other things. And love some as much as we want to. But, just but if they never hear the words of God spoken to them, and we go, why don't you believe? And they've never, ever heard the words spoken, or they've read it for themselves. <laughs> How can they believe something they don't hear, hear and know? You know? Yeah. That's what's so different, I would say, about... I, don't have an, I mean, that's what's so different about our faith, is our faith is based on the hearing of these words of God that have been transmitted all the way through. And what makes all that happen? The Spirit. That's why the Word and Spirit go together with that. Well, Jesus is the Word. Right. Who speaks. He's in the, yeah. Jesus is he the Word. He spoke everything into existence. I am the Word who speaks the Word. And then we're going to read as we go through John. He says very explicitly, these words I'm speaking... I'm not speaking on my own. I'm speaking because the Father told me to do it. Yeah. Who who is Jesus referring to when he says, "But you do not receive our testimony"? And that's, I have okay. So what verse is it? Good question. It's the same verse that we're looking at. So thankfully, I looked that up. <laughs> so what's interesting is you have to know the you. Is plural. Mm. Yeah. I wonder. So there's your answer to your question. Which makes sense because Nicodemus starts by saying we. Very good. Yeah, so he's like representing the Pharisees. Yeah. Right. So what ends up happening in this conversation is you'll see this change that goes from Nicodemus wants to bring, hey, we, the Pharisees in. Jesus then addresses him personally. This is so fascinating. Another thing about belief. Jesus addresses Nicodemus' belief in everything personally, okay, to bring him to that belief. And then Nicodemus, you can see here that is saying, now Nicodemus, I'm trying to bring you to that belief, but these people you're now calling the Pharisees, they still don't. They don't really believe. One soul at a time, right? <laughs> and, and, and Nicodemus would know that, right? Nicodemus would know that that was true. I would think he, he would. He would know. Oh, I think he was fudging when he said, we know. Well, I mean, I think he, I think he's like, we know, because I'm sure his conversation, I can imagine his conversations with the other um, Pharisees are like, hey, have you heard what this rabbi is doing, what this teacher is doing? Yeah, I heard he did this, this, and that. <laughs> well, you know, and then they're, they're kind of going back and forth. Right. And then it's like, you know, it's. So, 
how does how can he say we know? It's because they're they're talking about Jesus, obviously. Yeah. yeah. But where does the conversations turn, and then what is what is the internal dialogue versus the posturing, and then the suppression of the truth? And I think he would know that they've got you know, obviously um, that they that they won't accept him for whatever reason, even if they know. Mm-hmm. Well, he knows why they won't accept him. Yeah, he, he, he knows. Yeah. The interesting thing is that in that in that phrase, are you a teacher in verse 10? Are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not know these things? Actually, just say no in Greek, things is not there. So it's really, it's, it's really Jesus saying, do you not believe me? Are you in relationship with me? It's me you need to be in a relationship with. So these with. things is, is not, actually in the Greek? Not, no. So does it? Does Who it had a desk? So it makes it sound like no? facts. Do, do you not know? Do you or not know? It, it's, do you it's, not know? That's do you sad. not gnosis, which is a do relational word? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, you not, not in relation? Are you? Do you? Are you not hearing me? John? You say. Yeah, 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 yeah. You say. Do, do, do you not know me? Right. Mm. That's right. Exactly. Very good, Jason. Very perfect. That's exactly right. That's exactly what he's saying. And, and the we yeah. that he references here, like that question that you had said, that we that he references here, as we go further into John, when he addresses the Pharisees, he's always speaking of himself and the Father. Always, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Who are you speaking about when you say they're suppressing the truth? The, the, the Pharisees. The Pharisees. The Pharisees. Yeah. yeah. The Pharisees are suppressing the truth. So this, that, this, this is why Nicodemus came to him in the night. <laughs> he had to be on the slide. You're saying they know, and then they're, they're suppressing the truth in their teaching. Well, in, no, the, in their knowledge Their teaching of is correct, because Jesus will say, listen, listen to what they say, mm-hmm. but don't do what they do, because they're hypocrites. Right, right. So Jesus will say, like... Their, their teaching is is more or less okay, but don't do what they do because they're they're hypocrites. But so with the suppression of the truth, it's um, if you look at the interactions between Jesus and them, a lot of times it's what should we say? Well, we can't say this because the people think he's a prophet. Well, then let's just, let's say this. And it's not about what what's the truth. They're not trying to. It's see not the about truth. what the truth is. It's like, trying to bust it. How can we, you know, how can we remain in power and make sure yeah. we stay in power? Get, get rid of this annoying guy who who, right. who, who knows way more right. than we do somehow. Right, and, and, and we all never really know, uh, but we won't admit it. Was it like Ananias or or Caiaphas? I forget who. That was the high priest that said, "It's yeah, yeah. you know, Caiaphas, I think, yeah. it's um, that." It's better for one man to die for mm-hmm. for the people than all the rest. Of it. So it was like that was the justification for mm-hmm. it, and it wasn't about whether or not he was actually a false teacher or anything else. It was just this one man should die. Which for and what he says there is ironically precisely true. Yeah, it's extremely like, <laughs> <laughs> prophetic. Right. It, it is yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. 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 he thinks getting rid of the one man. Reason. He didn't even know that he was keep him in power when he finds out that one man is God. But, but the way he worded it, of course, he didn't say that. Right. The way he worded it was absolutely perfect. Right. Yeah. 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 So, and sort of a heady discussion about this knowing and believing, but. So we can we can know all of us in here can know what we just read, and I'm assuming probably all of us believe 
what we just read, about what it says about Jesus. How do we keep, because the whole thing of John, remember, is that you will come to belief, but you are not just come to belief, you are to keep believing, persisting. So when you read what we've just read, what can you do, us, do, to keep believing what we just read? Does that question make sense? So not just, oh, I believe this. No. But what can you do in your lives right now to show that you keep, you're continuing to believe what you've just read? goes back to your water demonstration, I think. You know, okay. Water. So you what know, do you do? What can you guys do? Confess with your mouth and okay. talk All right. to people about Jesus. And, and, I mean, you can't pound them. You know, that, that turns people off really quick, but... If you get an opportunity, bring up that, that word Jesus. All right. I think would be good. So we still so good. So that's one way we can do is we can speak it. What else can you guys think? Like when you leave from here, how do I keep believing? Because that's what a lot of times I think happens for us you Christians. Believe what with we're your doing right now. Stand you the believe word. with your actions. Okay. All right. Okay. You believe with your actions. That's yeah. right. That demonstrates to others that you do believe mm-hmm. by your actions. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What you do every day with your family, your friends, and people you meet uh, on the street. Right. So that goes right. That goes right along to Eric's story, doesn't it? Yes, it does. I mean, there was an example in Eric that that he showed that he believes (laughs) by the fact that he was consistent in that belief by saying, "No, I'm not going to lie." I. I'm going to. No offense in this, but I'm going to take your virtue another step. That that you're not just doing that for the fact of being true to your virtue, but what I'd say Jesus would say is you're doing that to stay true to Him. Because to say it becomes sacred. It becomes sacred, and you become and you t- you doing that. You have the very Spirit of God living in you. So as you, in integrity live in that sacredness, you're living with the very presence of God in you. And you're showing that that presence is consistent to the world. I mean, that's, in essence, what virtue should do, is it's not just the point, I do virtue for the sake of virtue. I do virtue because it is showing well, that I'm in this relationship with this living God. Well, but but virtue, virtue without Christ is still death. It is. Yes, exactly. It, it is. Because what would we say? The way you only there's only one thing is virtue doesn't save you. Nothing, no. Okay, no, but only that relationship in Christ saves you. I think it's that spiritual connection with Jesus and Him living in you right. that it's not an effort. It's like it comes through you. Yeah, you know, it's not like something you're doing as much as it's like. I see John down at the sawdust. He interacts with people so well, you know, and it just, there's always a smile on his face, whether mm-hmm. he's making money or not. You know? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for noticing. I do. <laughs> yeah, and just before, for anybody else, as far as, you, does that make sense to you? How do we, like, do you have any thoughts as to how do we, how do we leave from here well, and keep, not just, oh, I know this, but we keep showing that we are believing Keeping that belief. Why are we maintaining virtue, as you said? Why are we wanting to know this? Why 
do we need to know Christ mm -hmm. the way he, Nicodemus, should have? Right. The gnosis, the relational knowing, yes. That's the, to me, the, the constant, why am I motivated to go down this path mm -hmm. and change my life and do all those things that, that are going to put me into a place of relationship? What's the, what's the end game? Right. Why are we doing this? The primary, are we doing this? The primary motive is love. love yes. Love for God, love, love for yourself. And Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And what is love? Yes, exactly. Thank you. Yeah. So what is love? Yeah, what is love? Someone else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, but, but okay, and, th and that in and of itself, that's exactly right. You can't throw out a word like love without a 15-page, a, a you know, uh, analysis <laughs> yeah. of that. Especially in our world today, 15 right, 15 different love? You know, ideas on that. So it's, why are we loving Christ? It's the only Who? logical response. No, no, that's, again, that's illogical. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Because, because of Dr. Spock here. Because of who we are. Who are we? Children right? of God. Yeah, very and good. Children of there God. Children of God Kings, that are built priests. and designed and made to do what? Rule and reign with Christ. Thank you. And there is why we are virtuous. There is why we are in love. There is why we spread that love. Because... We need to be trusted by God to do what God would have us do without Him having to tell us. Right? I'm feeling very convicted. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. Bruce, we were, before we were saying that, we were all assuming you're the most holy guy here. Yeah, right. I did that. Eric, you were going to say? I have two points. I think. One of the things that help us understand and go down this path is you have to acknowledge that Satan exists. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And he's trying to derail us. Right. Full time. Yeah. Full time. And, and so Prince just as we believe in Christ, until we believe that there's also an equal and opposite force working against us. Well, it's not equal and opposite. Not it's equal. just it's no, definitely not, no. opposite. But it's not equal. Sometimes, yeah. you know, yeah, he has a little bit of an edge in our life. It's, you know? Right. But it's a good point. He's making a really valid point because the world does do this and Christians do this. Yeah. They talk about the devil like he's like equal with power with God. Mm. And no, the devil well, has been well, defeated. The, yeah, yeah, he's the, the spirit. He's, he's, like, he's yeah. equal because he of our own weakness. Right. Then you have like the flesh. Right. Well, yeah. re remember, though, that that Satan was made by God. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The creation. We are going through this process, and Satan is providing a, the fu a necessary function. Definitive sharpening our sword. <laughs> that we are being ground through the process in order to be prepared to strengthen us. Right. So to true. glorify God again. Which That's is exactly right. what happens to the story of Job. That's the whole story of Job. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because here's the most righteous man of all ends up going through this horrible test yeah. and ends up coming out even more seeing who real God is, who God really is. And that the most important thing is that I'm in that relationship with God more than anything else. It's not about what I have or what I get. It's about being in that relationship. So yeah, towards the end where God was talking to him said, well, where were you when I created the, you right. know, the star? Right. right. Sit down and take a look. Kind of put him in his place. Yeah. 
The, the other thing that's super cool to remember about Satan is that <laughs> it is. It's so it's so con- convicting and uh, peace-giving is that when you know Satan's doing a job that he needs to do, and anything that's not of God is death and destruction. Okay, great. And that's a, that's a non-stop tide. We could kind of push it, it back for a second, but it's still moving, right? But... Jesus defeated them. That's right. And so we, that's we, our job. So we're just in the process, and death has already been Satan doesn't vanquished. Sleep. He's <laughs> like God. He doesn't sleep. Satan's full time. He has a lot of demons. Twenty four seven. Keep active. Yeah. Yeah. Eric. So the second part. Mm-hmm. One of the things <laughs> I struggle with is that if it's a requirement to be in relationship with Him, mm-hmm. I'd like to know. How many of you definitely know that you've heard God speak to you about anything? Yeah. Okay. So. But now ask me how I know that. Hmm. How do you know that? <laughs> I know that's what I'm just saying. There's, that's how I would ask that question. Well, how do you know? One that? of the things my wife will say a lot during the month. God spoke to me about this. Hmm. And I'm going, how come I'm not hearing as much of this conversation? You know? Are you asking? Um, I'm seeing her say that. No, but I'm reflecting on me. But are you asking God to have a conversation? Oh, well, you know, he's always there when I talk to him, so. Oh, there you go. Then maybe you need to talk more often. Yeah. I talk enough in the group, so I think I better <laughs> mellow it out a little bit. And he's just waiting. He's all ears. So it's it's a struggle to maintain the relationship and to hear God speak back. So your question, Greg, was how do we keep that going, right? Yeah. That right. was your main question. Yeah. The Word, right. what we're doing here. And I don't, I mean, don't... <laughs> You guys hear me say this We really water down the word a lot and just thinking like, oh, it's just something else we go to get a bunch of knowledge. Okay? Yeah, it's not And true. I find out over and over again, Christians over the years, how I've watched even the Christian church, for me personally, watch this over the last 20 years compared to what we used to do, like at Abundant Life, and watch this whole thing where the movement of the church has gone away from keeping people in the word. And it's just, it's yeah. gone to, you know, we're all getting together and having fun. Those things are all no. great. Okay. It's all great to do all that. But we're getting the way you say, how do I hear from God? I mean, consistently, over and over again, the Word tells us the Word is how we hear from God. Yeah. That is the primary, primary way. Now, can the Spirit speak to us personally? Yes. And it says He does that. But how do I know God? Like, know who He is and know what He's telling me is ultimately... That's why we've been given the Bible. I mean, that's why when people argue about inerrancy, I go, the Bible's much more than inerrant. Yeah. It is the very voice of God that we hear Him. Yeah. And if you think, um, it's, I was going to use this a little illustration of something at one point, but so like my, my wife and I, um, we love listening to Dateline, watching Dateline. Okay. And one of the things that happens on Dateline sometimes, and this actually happened with, remember that young girl that just got her boyfriend killed her? Um, yeah. Yeah. 
So what's fascinating is, is that when someone like that goes missing, what he ended up doing was he ended up starts trying to stay in conversations using her phone, messaging the parents. Okay, so he's killed her, and then he's using social media and using her phone to message her parents, so the parents think that she's still alive. But the problem is, the parents are looking, reading this, and going, "That doesn't sound like her." Like. They know that's not her voice, okay? And they're starting to worry about it. I mean, that's why we have to be in the Word so much, is because if we want to know whether the voice we're hearing, is it from Satan or not, is it from the world or not, is it from me or not, the only way we're going to know that is by being so immersed in the Word that we go, no, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't ring true. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And that's how you just keep that constant being in the Word. Um, doing that. You know, because then you you don't just know in your head, but it's like relational knowing. It's like if my wife texts me, she says something that I go, that doesn't sound like Michelle. <laughs> you know, I'm going to go run home and make sure she's okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you know the voice of the person who you're in relationship with. And the more you're in that relationship, the more you hear their true voice. I'd say if there's any reason to be in the word, that's it. <laughs> so, because you're hearing that very voice. And what what was the relationship that Christ severed for us? Was our direct relationship, our direct line of communication with the Father? And the thing that He did what? He He f- fixed what was severed. He, oh, he, he okay. re- yeah, I thought you he, said He severed the relationship. He, oh, my way. He, I may I may have. Said that, yeah. but I meant unsevered. <laughs> Want to make sure that I'm hearing you right. Thank you. Uh, he came back to reestablish relationship with us, right? To break to heal Correct. the severed relationship. That's right. 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 That's yeah, right. There you go. Yeah, atonement. 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 That's right. right. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I when you had brought up the idea of the people being. Uh, not wanting to hear from God mm-hmm. directly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, 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 no. We don't want it. Like, that just is like kooky to me. Totally. <laughs> right? right? I wanted to go, who here would not want to hear directly from God? Well, I think it goes back to his Romans passage. Which, again, that's why when we speak God to people and we're like afraid, like, oh my gosh, they might like get turned off. When we're speaking the very words of God to someone or they're reading it, you, again, you're going to have a response. Either that's going to draw them to God, or it's going to have them double down on their unbelief and be pushed away from right. God. Right, that's true. You know, and so don't don't be surprised if you're speaking to someone that they go, you know, they just recoil at that. Um, but that shows the words being spoken, mm-hmm. <laughs> the power of that, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you say that. So can you guys think of anything else, anything else that you do that you keep yourself believing to keep yourself in this relationship with, with God. When I uh, when I truly blow it, um, I need to go back to the person and say I'm sorry. Mm. I mean, I think that's one way of being able to show, you know, who you are. Yeah. Is by going back and saying, "Man, I'm sorry, dude. I, I blew it. Yeah. You know, can you forgive me? You know, and it doesn't mean that that person's going to forgive you. Mm-hmm. Right. But at least you're showing. Then, uh, hey, 
I really messed up, and I just want to let you know I'm sorry. And when you're doing that, you're not just trying to restore that relationship, but you're being obedient to Christ who tells you to do that, which means you are in relationship with Him and are continuing to believe by doing that. Does that make sense? You're continuing. You you seek forgiveness from others. You're obeying Christ. I'm in relationship with Him. That's why I'm doing it. And sometimes... It doesn't happen right away. <laughs> you know, because sometimes yeah. you get lost in your own pride. And, oh, yeah. You know, you, you got to get over it, and you can just say, hey, you stupid. Get back over there and say you're sorry. Yeah. You know, you hear that, you know, inside you, that voice. Hey, sorry. I really put no. For me, it's uh, maintaining relationships, close relationships with other Christians. Yeah. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, find a, Very good. To find a brother yep. that we stay with. Uh, I came to this church in 1966. Wow. And that's just... Um, my folks helped start a Baptist church in our city. And my mom was a church secretary for 50-some years. So I come from a background of church folk, of people that just make a, a commitment to do something. Yeah. And then I sold my mother's house after she'd lived in it for 50 years. My dad retired from the job that he started at. I taught at Corona Del Mar for 30 years. You know, I'm, I come from a background of people who say, this is what we're going to do. And then we just keep doing it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a testament to, which we don't see very often these days, someone who, I mean, this church, I don't even know the history. This guy knows the history way more than I. This church has gone through a lot of junk. A lot of different pastors throwing things out, divisions, I mean, all this stuff. We've and been down to You're five. still here. Five. When I, when, in 1966 when we came, mm-hmm. Uh, we had a Sunday school down at the Hare Krishna Church. That was our church then. Uh, we had Sunday school, and then we had church service. Everybody that came to Sunday school had a clipboard and a pencil, mm-hmm. and they took notes like a college class. Mm-hmm. More people were at Sunday school than actually stay for the church. <laughs> was the Sunday school only for the kids? Or was no, no, no. It was, just, adults. it was just adults. It was adults. Bible yeah. study. That's how church wow. used to be. <laughs> I remember we used to call it Sunday school, but it wasn't, I don't think it was like that. Yeah. yeah. That's actually what they did. That Sunday school was originally adults. Oh, wow. um, and still a lot of churches. When I was in Colorado Springs, one of the churches I was um, helping to sort of preach at, intern, an intern, intern, um, what they're looking for another pastor. I mean, they were an example where they got together at like 9 o'clock. So the church got together and they actually studied the Bible. And then at 10 o'clock, they went and worshipped and had, heard a sermon. Had a 15-minute break right. and then... Yeah, the exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that was just... There's still a lot of churches, I think, in the, in the country to do that. It's awesome to see. It's just this consistency of we're in the Word, now we go worship, and then we hear the Word again. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But it, for me, it's it's making a commitment to do something. Yeah. 
and then staying with it, not jumping around and, yeah. and things happen that you don't like or that you're not happy with or you know da -da 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 -da. but I was really little when my dad was having a hard time with the pastor and the pastor sort of challenged him after church one day he said, Harley you're not you know da -da -da -da. and my dad said Pastor, go right ahead and do it the way you're doing. I was here before you came, and I'll be here after you leave. Classic. <laughs> so, you know, so that's that's where I come from. <laughs> so I think it helps us. It helps me to be around you guys. It helps me to come to church. It helps me to study. It helps me. All those things work together so that when something does go way wrong, I have something to lean back on. Yeah. And maybe I'm not super strong, but there's somebody like Eric or others right. that will step up and walk beside me while I can't carry my own load. Yeah. I, mean, I know because I dump on him all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean that—that's—that's that's what we mean by keep belief. Yeah, and if we don't, keep that you know, I don't know how the, the, the you hear people say, "Well, no, I don't go to church." You know, I believe, but I don't go to church. Right. You know, I go where, where in the New Testament did you learn that concept? Is it? There's a few times when God says, you know. Go be alone, pray, fast, death. Right. But everything else says be with, others. be with others, encourage others, walk with others, right. carry their load, help, death. I, mean, I think that's and I think that's why you see so many people fall away these days and go through all the stuff. They're trying to church. Do it a lot of times they, I think they, they believe, but they don't keep that belief. And that's the thing I think we're trying to do is how do we keep believing, keep at it. Yeah. Because it's this thing you have to do every day and work at it every day. It's like, we're going to, the both us who are married, we're going to go home to wives. We have to keep at it. We can never just say, I'm done for now, honey. I don't really want to do this anymore. We're married, but I'm not going to keep relating with you. I mean, it <laughs> doesn't work that way. I, I was going to say, for, for me, the um, as we're discussing, and I'm thinking it through, like probably the the singular uh, most effective way for me, because I, I try to apply it in everything that I do, mm -hmm. um, but my relationship with my wife and us putting everything into Christ first mm -hmm. and just letting that bear so much fruit, it's unbelievable, and, te and teach us that, that, that knowing that relationship together, right. yes. yeah. then just oh my goodness it's just incredible yeah and every time we eat no matter where we are praying and mm -hmm. asking christ to be there with us and saying it aloud and letting people hear it and mm -hmm. you know not being obnoxious but but doing it um without fail yeah. because we know where we who we owe that to yeah right and uh, that has been a huge mm -hmm. transformer 
for me. Mm. Next to God, it's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And it's with God. Wife, I mean, they're they're you're in, they're both in relation with God when you do. Yeah, it. you're so, one flesh. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. Okay. Well, thanks, you guys. I know that. <laughs> that was good. Trying to see where that would go. Just trying to talk about this whole just idea. Quick just question. You know, game. last time I listened to that, yeah. what was all the <laughs> stupid oh, car alarm? Oh my god! Oh, yeah. You didn't like that? Yeah, well, coming through the audio because I had my earpods. Yeah. I mean, it was yes. like. I actually meant. I actually meant. Yeah, I, I forgot. Yeah. You, I totally forgot when Did I you sent. The motorcycle go by. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was Satan. Not <laughs> that was Satan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Disrupting. You know, so funny you say that because I actually meant and I forgot. Now that you just said that to put in the email. Hey, there was some beeping going at the beginning. Just try to get through it. Yeah, Was it a Tesla? Well, we thought, no, at first we no, thought it was, yeah, it wasn't It was heat. somebody's Lexus that was parked across the street facing this I road that had their windows that. down. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh. Yeah. Did it all day the next day, too. Did it? Like half wow. the day. Yeah. Wow. What time was that? So, like, the noise were down. Worse than a yapping dog. It is. All right. Yeah. So next week, um, if you guys want to read ahead, yeah. we're going to get into the, the, um, but that very famous passage, (laughs) John 3.16. So we're going to look next week at John 3.16 through 21. So whatever you can do, you just see right there. One of the things just to point out as a little um, heads up on this is we're going to start seeing this in John, but it goes to the relational part I just talked about. So if you take a look at 15, it says that whoever believes in him, and then you look at verse 16, whoever believes in 18, whoever believes in, mm-hmm. and this is because um, continuing 18, believe in, the word here is actually pistis into. It's a very heavy relational term. It is, I'm continuing to believe in relationship, believe into Christ, I believe into Christ. I'm, it's a way of saying I'm continuing to be in relationship with him. It's this constant, like we just talked about tonight. So you can see that in John three sixteen. It's not just whoever believes. Oh, I believe. Okay, ticket to heaven. I believe. No, it's continuing to believe into yeah. the process. So think about that this week as you guys go. Were those the words of Christ? Did he say that, or is that a quote from John? Because a couple of my translations I've read that if you got a red letter, sometimes in the NIV it shows that it's not in red letters. It is in quotes in mine, so I'm assuming it is in quotes. Most it's in quotes. Yeah, most of them are in quotes. So um, that's Jesus talking. It's. Go, go study that so we can let me know. I oh, yeah. I'll say I'll ask a question. All right. Father, we thank you for this evening. Just thank you for these guys as we get together and really wrestle, Lord, with um, this whole idea of the gift you've given us of not just knowing these things of this world, but the gift we have in actually knowing you, understanding you, relating with you, believing in you. Father, I just pray, help us this week through that power of your Spirit. May we speak those words of belief to others. May we be bold, Lord, to just speak who you are to others, in love to others, to love others, to love our neighbor as ourself. Just help us this week, Lord, to say we cannot make any of these changes on our own. We cannot become more like you on our own. We can only do that by your grace and your mercy and your power through the Holy Spirit. So guide each one of us this week. 
may we be, as people look at us, may we be that presence of God with the words of God that we are Christ in this world, Lord. In Jesus' name. Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys.